Welcome to episode 30 of the Live, Lift, Love podcast, PEDs, Positive Enriching Discussions. I'm your host, Clifford Janice. Today's episode is titled, The Vegan Khaleesi. You can find me on IG at Galt's Conditioning, and you can listen to the Live, Lift, Love podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and if you visit the Live, Lift, Love podcast on the Galt's Conditioning website, please be sure to leave a comment. Welcome back here with another guest to talk about all things health, nutrition, wellness, and well-being. Hey, Roshni. Thank you so much, Clipper. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for re- reaching out. Um, you listened to the episode I did with my good friend Selena. Yeah. She sent me an email, and you know we found a time to work, and here we are. So excited to discuss and learn as much as possible. Absolutely. Right. So where are you located? I'm located in the southern part of India. In a sub in okay. the southern part of India, in the southern part. And um, how long have you been on your fitness journey? Uh, close to ten years now. So I've I've been okay. ten years in like a year. So to start, you know, I'll do my usual. I'd lo- love to learn as much about yourself as you're wanting to share, and then we'll kind of transition once we hit the point where you started investing time or committing to fitness and wellness. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was working and studying in the U.S. actually in New York. Um, and I was not in the fitness industry. I was in, I was studying as a clinical psychologist and I loved my job. It was absolutely rewarding. It was something I always wanted to do. I like to reach out to people, but then I was called back to India because my family was going through a crisis. My dad felt really sick and there was no one to look after, uh, work in India, uh, our family business, which happened to be in the fitness industry. So I came back at a very young age. I was, I want to say, 22, 23 then. And with a lot of, you know, uh, resilience. And I I hated, you know, I didn't want to come back. And uh, I was very angry with my father. I remember still being very angry with him because if he took care of his health, then I wouldn't have to do this. Then I would get to live my dream. Um, Obviously, you know, everything turned out for the best. And I'm so glad I came back because... I feel what's lacking in today's world is people sort of look at fitness different from mental health, but there's not a lot of fitness trainers nor mental health experts who understand that one sort of bounces off the other. You need both to go hand in hand, especially people struggling with you know mental health issues such as body image issues, bulimia, anorexia. Um, there's no proper guide. Personal trainers are not trained. We as trainers are not trained. Um, you know, even you, when you studied NASM, and I've done NASM too, we don't have chapters in the book or not enough education to teach us how to deal with clients with like, let's say, schizophrenia or bipolar disorders. We have to sort of learn that by ourselves and most trainers don't make an effort to um, read about it. So when I came back, I started working with, and I was, you know, I had my master's in clinical psychology. Um, and I certified myself to become a personal trainer. And I started sort of, you know, working with clients in both the aspects, um, especially body image issues. And I was even attracting, you know, my magnet was set on in my mind. I was attracting a lot of clients um, struggling with body image issues and bulimia and anorexia. And um, it sort of gave me an opening to combine the two industries together. And that's what I do now. My approach to fitness is not unidirectional, just in terms of 
nutrition or you know physical health but it's nutrition physical health lifestyle modification mental health uh, different components which i try and bring to my clients so that's a little bit about me i really like the honesty about you being upset at your father yeah uh, it's 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 fair right you know we we yeah. you, you know you, you you have this dream you have this goal and yeah. we, we all kind of have these individual responsibilities for our lives and we want to take it and you know you 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 made the effort to kind of chase your dream yeah and then you know life 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 hit life changed and yeah. it's honest to be upset you know in in the moment you know you get over it you evolve from the feeling and you f- and you find yeah. new passion from it but it, it's honest and, and it's real to be upset. Um, I feel even yeah, yeah. now when I'm talking to parents, I tell them, if you have a child, it's not a choice. It's your moral responsibility to be fit. It's not an option. When you have right. kids look up to you, especially when I was you know, at the age of 20, 21, and I was raised um, very protected from my family. You know, they, they gave me everything. I didn't even know how to sign my own uh, check. I I didn't know how to open my own bank account. Everything was taken care of. It was like, here's your card and just swipe the card when you need it. Um, and then suddenly everything just comes down on your shoulders and you're asked to. I In fact, I remember because uh, my family owned a chain of gyms, uh, fitness centers. When I entered the gym, I did not know. This is why I started studying about fitness because the trainers didn't look up to me. No one wanted to. They didn't respect me. I didn't come from their industry. And I right. did not know anything. I did not know, um, you know, client goals, how to help them reach their goals. I, I knew I wanted to help people. I, did, I didn't have any approach, you know, to, to do that. So I was sort of forced into it. But then I'm glad I did it. I'm so glad I, um, you know, sort of educated myself and started working towards mental and physical health. Right, because it it allowed you to kind of. I mean, I mean, that kind of goes back to the point of you know, life happened, but you you make the most of it, right? That you've yeah. since you you had the ability to kind of chase your initial dream, and now you just transition it into a new dream, but still yeah. the same goal, and you know, combining mental health and physical health, which I, you know, I definitely agree is something that's overlooked when it comes to the physical. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think the industry, especially with social media, has just kind of transitioned into this vanity. It's all about this looks. It's you know, as long as I look good, as long as I get um, interactions on social media, it's fine. But I mean, there's so much lacking in terms of mental health and gearing people up to kind of balance out. Yeah, and the people, oh, so okay. even different people, there's a different reaction. I I was reading one of your blogs about. Um, top five things I learned from yoga. And there's one line which you wrote, which says, I grew up with a lot of yelling around me and to counteract that I speak softly. And that was like, I still, I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> someone's reaction because p- kids, t- kids take habits from parents. Kids yeah. pick up things and kids, you know, are like sponge. They pick up things and they want to do that. And here you are, you saw this and you know that this is not right. And you just, you know, you, you turned out to be a different person, a better person. I was like, wow, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the writing, which, by the way, your blog is awesome. Hats off. Um, Thank you. The more and more I was reading about it, I was like, I really like this. Yeah, it's um, just perspective. You know, it, it, we, we either pick up the things we like and the things we don't like, we just try to avoid. And yeah. you know, I, just, I just try to do the opposite because, like, like, you said, like you said, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't how people are supposed to communicate. There's yeah. supposed to be a different way to do it. So, yeah. unfortunately, this this is my this is my balance. Just being a, being a, sm- a low talker. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's really good. 
most people don't like when i'm working with kids especially at very young age you know now uh in the recent times i've started noticing kids in their teens um struggling with obesity childhood obesity and when they come in with their parents uh parents are constantly you know complaining that she's so fat and he's so fat parents don't understand that kids are kids are picking up on that they have very negative messages kids are picking up on not everyone uh can deal with you know you're going to schools and colleges and you're hearing your peers talking about or making fun of you because you're obese and then you hear the same thing from your parents and fitness needs to start at home if parents were healthy in the first place the child wouldn't struggle with childhood obesity you know you can't have fit parents and an unhealthy child you can't have that but parents don't want to take the blame on themselves and then just say oh you know my child just eat junk all day and doesn't move and you know it's not fair yeah it's everyone's responsibility it's yeah. like like to your point it's the parents that kind of set the, it's the parents responsibility to set the example and be as aware and involved as their child's life to kind of help them make the right choices and you know granted life is busy and parents may not be as involved because of you know sometimes financial reasons sometimes working multiple jobs yeah um but also you know having being a parent and being involved in your child's life it, it gives them confidence to kind of know that there are people who care about them you know even if they're being bullied at school to your point about hearing neg- negativity everywhere you know you still have home you still have people in your corner to support you and it helps you push a little a little f- further w- what school did you go to when you were in new york for psychology um so i was in uh, cuny city university oh. of new york which is in manhattan or oh, do you remember which one cuny c u n y yeah there's there's a couple there's like uh, there's cuny hunter there's cuny john j cuny hunter okay cool i went to, i went to hunter too i got my degree in sociology there Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. What year were you then? Uh, <laughs> 2010, I believe. Yeah. I want to say around, yeah, around 12. I want to say around 2012, maybe I was there. Okay. Yeah. yeah as soon as you said uh, clinical psychology, I thought of Hunter because Hunter has yeah. has like the best psychology. They had the yeah, best yeah, yeah. program, yeah. I was in SUNY yeah. before that, City University of New York, where I did my bachelor's in Buffalo. And then okay. I moved to CUNY Manhattan, Hunter. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right, so you go back to you go back home. You're settled in, and then you you, you see this necessary change to kind of pivot into fitness. So, what were those er- initial early stages like for you? Uh, initial early stages. I think the reason I got into it was obviously because of my family and uh, trying to first of all get my dad fit because he was obese, and um, the doctors were pretty you know strict. If he doesn't lose weight, then you you know he might lose his life. um so i wanted to try and get him interested in fitness which is what it started off with but then i started seeing more and more people take like who are coming to the gym who are coming to the center um they're taking some form of antidepressants but people don't want to talk about it you'd never go up to a trainer and say hey i'm taking antidepressants no would trainers make an effort to ask at least in india um so when you're taking antidepressants You, it it screws with your metabolism your hormonal functions and you're not going to be able to see results at a pace as fast as someone who's not on any kind of uh, you know antidepressants so i started noticing that more and more people are struggling because uh, they they have busy lifestyle they're taking medication which they don't want to disclose to people because it's tabooed and um, they are getting upset when they're gaining weight they're not seeing results as fast at a pace uh, which they are supposed to be seeing and a lot of people are also sort of you know going towards alternative treatments like 
um, you know, fat loss, uh, fat loss surgeries and which they don't need to. So that's how I started getting interested in about fat loss. And then I, I I came across a plant-based diet and I wasn't on a plant-based diet. I'd heard about it when I was in the U S um, but I didn't think it was healthy because when you're raised in India, you're raised with the belief that milk is very important for you and milk is important for your bones and calcium and all those uh, things, you know, which, which everyone, I think all across the world, everyone's brought up hearing. Right. I started reading a lot of books about plant-based nutrition and started realizing how easy, like literally how easy it is to lose weight without calorie counting or without being as strict in terms of portion control when you're on a plant-based diet, because naturally there's not a lot of saturated fats. There's not a lot of cholesterol coming in unless you're like a junk food vegan, uh, which most people are not. Most people eat healthy. Most people, um, you know, don't go out like every single day of the week uh, eating KFCs or McDonald's. Most people don't. But that's how, that's how I started uh, sort of, you know, helping people heal through a plant-based diet. And then it started transitioning to working with people with diabetes and hypertension and thyroid and PCOS. And as I was seeing my clients get better, I I decided to certify myself and I got my diploma in plant-based nutrition specifically. And now I only work with people uh, who are willing to transform into a plant-based diet because I feel ethically, I'm not going to be able to put something on your plate, which I know is, you know, not right for you, which I myself wouldn't eat. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, so it's a lot to unravel. Um, and I, I say that just because it's very specific and very niche. And I like the idea of just, you know, I'm not working with people. Yeah. Like, it, it shows it shows your ethic and your morals and it shows your drive and your passion behind the yeah. work you're w- willing to put in. You know, having that that discipline and having um, the standards as a fitness wellness expert. Yeah. It it shows it shows your credibility in the work you do, and I, you know I, I think it's important. And it I, I think so, again going back to what fitness has become, you know, it's just people are just looking for the quick fix. They're not looking for the discipline, which which automatically hones in on the mental mental health aspect. Also, yeah. Um. So so th- just to backtrack a little bit, did you put your dad on, or did you ask your dad to go on a vegan based diet? Also, I tried. I tried the worst people to convince. I can I can convince the entire world, but my family. <laughs> Which I think is with most people. They don't see a teacher in me. They don't see a uh, like you know a nutritionist in me. They see a daughter in me. They right, want right. daughter. So it's very difficult to convince your family. I tried. <laughs> Trust me, I tried, and I keep trying. Uh, but no, he did lose a lot of weight though. He got fit, um, and then he keeps yo-yoing back because of uh, he refuses to make lifestyle changes which is very important which is extremely important people look at fitness or like diet as you know do something as long as you know you lose weight one of the other things clifford which i saw in your uh, profile was that you love hiking and you love you know calisthenics and you love outdoor sports and you love this you don't do it to stay fit you do it because you enjoy it you thoroughly right. um even uh, when you are talking about yoga when you are like you know when you say om it's like it's more than just a word it's letting you vent out what you're feeling and that is a lifestyle change it's not till you lose weight it's not till you get a six pack it's not you know till you get fit it's something you do for the rest of your life irrespective of weight loss irrespective of fitness um you know it's part of your lifestyle which most people don't look at fitness as for them it's like you know till i reach a scale goal i'm going to do this and then stop doing it 
and that cannot be a permanent fix. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the ever-present challenge, right, of just trying to, I, I look at it in one aspect of having people just be more responsible and be more self-aware, Yeah. but also not looking for outside affirmation because yes. yeah. the, the abs and the muscles, you're, you're doing it for, for the most part. I think a lot of people, not even a lot of people, I think people do it for the, for the most part so that, again, they can post on social media or they can go in certain places and show off their curves and their body, which is yeah. fine. And that's great within itself. But without establishing, you know, if, if, if I didn't have all these abs, if I didn't have these biceps, if I didn't have these breasts and his butt, but I still be happy with myself. Exactly. Right? And if you don't, if you don't have that base of just being happy of, of existing as you are, then anything you build on top of that, yeah. it, it's a weak foundation, and anything can quickly just kind of change how you. It, it can, I, I guess, affect your, your mental health and how you view yourself. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I remember uh, in my decade being in the fitness industry, which is close to ten years, um, and I'm. I, I'm good at training. I know what I do. I, I love training people. I'm good at it. I took two years completely off social media because I was not in the best shape of my life. Um, and that did not take away from my quality of being a trainer. I was still the best trainer in terms of what I did. I was very good with hel- motivating and helping people, but I completely went off social media because I wasn't in the best shape of my life. And that sells when you're online, you know, and you're selling fitness, you have to look your best self. And, um, you know, sort of it, like you said, it has an effect not only from the client's perspective on their mental health, but also trainers on social media going to extremes to look a certain way to be able to sell their product is what I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? It's the, again, I keep bringing up the social media aspect, you know, people, you get a certain amount of followers, now you can promote any product you want. And it's, you know, it's just, it's just a cash grab, which is, you know, what, what everything is, unfortunately. Um, So I saw on your IG that I saw your fitness transformation picture. What, what was that experience like for you? Um. The experience personal, it was a lot of trials and error because I wanted to, you know, make sure that when I'm, uh, it's one thing reading theoretical knowledge and it's one thing implementing and seeing if it is sustainable. And I think as personal trainers, all of us do it. Um, You know, you try different forms of fitness because you want to know how it feels like and all of us do it. All fitness trainers do it. But the journey when I competed as a bodybuilder was very smooth for me um, because I had one of the best coaches to guide me who was herself a plant-based competitor, a plant-based national level champion. She was very good. She was from Australia. Name is Chrissy. um, And she's really good at what she does. But I don't think um, I would be able to compete on a plant-based diet without having that kind of guidance because you're constantly told that you can't build muscle mass on a plant-based diet. You can't do this. You can't do that. um, Which Honestly, I think it was easier for me. It was easier for me to build muscle mass because there was very less inflammation. I could go back to the floor. I could train harder. My recovery was much faster. Um, and because of that, it made it easier for me, in fact, if anything. Yeah. So having the so, right guidance, it's important. Most people try to yeah. sort of, you know, like a, they, they go to Google for their, uh, you know, meal plan and fitness plan. I suggest everyone like you would visit a doctor once in a year to get your full body checkup done, at least once a year, go to a personal trainer, work with someone who's an expert in their field. That's the reason they're there, you know, they're an expert in their field. And I suggest everyone to try it. 
I, I like the idea of that uh, uh, annual personal train trainer um, check check in. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I have the yeah. part of, part of my like fitness philosophy is empowering people to kind of do the work on their own. Like, I don't I don't really believe in like, if if I have a client for two or three years that I'm that means I'm not doing my job. I, I think that and, and this ties in with the mental health aspect, right? Like. Let's say it's a year. You know, you 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 with someone, you coach them, you train them, but you also incorporate some of the mental health health aspect, just through dialogue, through confidence building. You should that you should build them up to a point where they can kind of do their work on their own, where they no longer need you as a personal trainer because you've you, you you've allowed them to hit their peak. Now it's their responsibility to kind of see if they can go do the work on their own, which reinforces the importance of self-confidence and the ability the ability just to be disciplined do the work and you know maybe if they falter then they come back to you but again i I like the idea of the the yearly check-in so you know you you say you have a client for a year and a half two years you help them grow and then you're on your own and then they come back in a year you you reassess and you kind of grow and build with them yeah i I really like that (laughs) things change right every year you're getting older your metabolism changes, um, you know, how your body function changes, your work ethics change. So if you're sitting for longer hours, that changes. How much you're moving, your neat changes, your nutritional requirement changes. And most people wait till the very, very last moment. Till, like an ex- simple example is with, um, you know, let's say iodine. Let's say you're not taking enough iodine in your diet and then you're feeling lethargic, you're feeling low, you, you don't have energy, you go to the doctor and the doctor says these are the classic symptoms of uh, hypothyroid and starts you on medication for hypothyroid. Now, if you were going to your nutritionist regularly instead of the doctor, then you nutri- uh, not regularly, at least once in a year, the nutritionist would look at your meal plan and say, hey, you're not getting enough iodine. Why don't you add like, you know, sushi or like iodized salt to your diet? And uh, this way, you're going to get enough iodine. You're not going to have to worry about anything. Um, and maybe you wouldn't have to take thyroid medications ever if you had reached your iodine goals. But most people look at, you know, sort of nutritionist as like like an investment they have to pay money for and it's not worth it, but would continue taking supplements and medication which they don't need for the rest of their life um but wouldn't pay for a nutritionist so i highly insist everyone once in a year just check in with your personal trainers your nutritionists your dietitians whoever you're visiting uh just to make sure that everything's okay you know it's an it's an investment towards your body it's not an expense how how do you think um i mean because everything you're saying is so on par i mean it there's there's a general awareness that health and wellness and eating the right foods is good for you. Like, I mean, that's just a that's just a realistic fact. But yeah. you know, there are still people who just don't care or don't have an interest. How do you how do you reach out to people like that? Like, how do you what do you think works in terms of like really getting people who aren't interested, who aren't committed, to kind of start the process of, of lifestyle change. Yeah, yeah. And there are many like that. A um, lot of times, I, I think it's in a way Indian concept where uh, children come up to me and say, hey, talk to my dad or talk to my mom. And they're not listening to me and they have diabetes and I want someone to talk to them and, uh, you know, you'd be the right person to talk to them. And I have to tell them, no, I cannot do it. Not because, you know, I'm capable of doing it, but they are not in their right mindset. And if you're not in the right mindset, you're not going to follow anyone's directions, no matter what. Um, to to help you reach to that mindset, you educate them. You, know, you send them like newsletters and videos and um, messages and anything you can do to educate them. 
all I tell them is ask them to start following me on my Instagram. And then once they start, you know, snippet, 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 every now and then they're getting these little, little subconscious messages, how taking care of your health is important. At some point, they'll be like, hey, I'm not sure if I can go on a plant-based diet, but maybe I can try my, uh, maybe I can make my breakfast plant-based. That's a good start. And then yeah, you have to uh, uh, patiently, very patiently, like a child, you have to start from like meal one and then build your way. But sometimes it might take months, even for my clients who paid for the services. And it's their investment. You're investing money. Sometimes all we're able to do in the first month is getting breakfast right. That's it. Yeah, uh, I, I love that idea. It's the that's that's the that's the plus side of social media, right? The conditioning, yeah. you know. You said the newsletters, just put, putting in putting it in their face, like just like when they go when you go to the supermarket, right? You see the you see the the chocolate and all the the chips yeah. and all this, yeah. the high fructose uh, corn syrup drinks by the register for you to buy at the last minute. But you know, you 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 flip it on them, right? You 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 put positive yeah. content, you put positive yeah. reinforcement, you show videos of transformation, you show other people transforming and changing their lives and changing their bodies, and little by little, you know, it gets people to, you know, get that little switch on. We're like, okay, you know what? Like you said, maybe I could do this. I, I won't do it in this full capacity, but I'll start. I'll see how I feel, and you know, while they're yeah. gearing up, you're still doing what you need to do. You're still putting the content out there, and hopefully it. Start, starts the process yeah i love that it starts the process and it has to be instead of constantly nagging uh you know which as right. it's very difficult when you have your loved one like you know with my boyfriend he's obsessed with beer and alcohol um, <laughs> but if i'm going to constantly nag him it's never going to change but it's so hard because i love him uh, and i worry about him and you know how can you watch someone who's so close to you um slowly destroying their liver <laughs> it's, right, it's right. so hard but at the same time you're supposed to take a step back not nag not do anything about it and just you know start like you said sending these small small messages that over time they themselves will decide to drop a habit you know right that's all that's all we can do i mean that's kind of the overall um i mean that's, that's all of life i mean we're aware but just the challenge of wanting and sometimes taking your ego out of it. Like sometimes I, I think being in fitness and yeah. you know going through the process of body change and all this, you know, and seeing the benefits, there's a mild ego and like, yo, like I, I know this works. Like, trust me, trust me. I was where you were. I know this works. Just come along, just follow, just come with me on a journey. And yeah. people aren't willing to, and you know, there, there's frustration on end, but there's also, the need to get rid of the ego. It's it's not about me. You know, I can want the yeah. best for you, but if you don't want it, if you if you don't want it for yourself, then my wants can't supersede your own wants for yourself. It's absolutely yeah. I couldn't put it better. That's amazing. Yeah, and I understand it's so frustrating. Yeah, even with clients, with everyone, it's so easy when I'm looking at someone saying, "It's so easy. Can't you just drop this? It's not that hard." But from their perspective, it's a very big lifestyle change. You no, know, even right. simple. Things drinking so much water a day for me it's it's supposed to be a no-brainer how can you not get thirsty how can you not drink water but from their end it's an activity it's an additional activity on top of all the other activities which they have and it's it's not easy so trying to understand or sympathize empathizing with the client is is very important i think all personal trainers should pick that up i, lo I love that you called it an activity and I'm, I'm i'm thinking about it as 
it's the reward system, you know, it, the sugar, the, the the rush of um the the, sh- the rush that the sugar was it the uh, dope dopamine I believe not dopamine excuse me the endorphins I can't remember the word endorphins yeah the endorphins that the sugar re- releases into your brain it, it makes you feel good so that's why you know you're gonna have another can of soda all right that's why you're gonna have two bag of chips versus one the flavoring and all these things it's an activity and it's a reward system because. And a lot of a lot of times there aren't other aspects of your life that feel rewarded, right? You may go to go to a job that isn't that beneficial. You, you know, you're just there to get a paycheck. So, you know, having that break where you could sit down and drink that coke and eat that chips or you know eat whatever, yeah, it yeah. is an activity, but it's also it's your little reward for yourself yeah. that that you're allowed to have. Yeah, yeah. This is a beautiful term I came across recently. It's called psychodietics. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Psychodietics, I think it's called, where, uh, you know, you try and understand the emotional aspect of food, why people eat food and, you know, the emotions attached to it. Human beings are like this. We eat when we're happy. We eat when we are sad. Everything, for every mood, we have a food. Um, You know, when Thanksgiving, it's a celebration. We want to eat. Uh, You're going through a breakup. You want to eat. And if you're going to take that aspect away from people, it's like taking emotions away from the person. That's why when people go on a diet plan, you sort of don't have this release and trying to teach them to look at food as nourishment and look for other places for release, especially when you're not working out, you're not staying physically fit. It's really hard, which from a trainer's perspective, you you understand, you know that, you know, I see that you're emotional eating, but from a client's perspective, they don't see that. For them, that's a form of release. Yeah, and again, sometimes that's the only release they have. That that's that's comfort, um, and it's it, it's easy. It's yeah. because that's what it's it's meant to be. It's meant to be easy, so that you know. I go back to the con- consumerism aspect. It's meant to be easy. It's meant to be an easy reward, so that you go you go get more. You know, drinking a can of soda never lets you down, right? It always <laughs> feels good. It always feels rewarding. You know, all, all the all the things that we know. Um, are detrimental to our health. They're they're easy to you know, TV. TV's so easy now, right? I have Netflix. I have Hulu. I have Disney. I have everything. I can watch anything I want any time of day. It's so easy. But it, what's what's the benefit for me? What's the reward? What is it? What does it allow me to kind of um, reestablish or re envision in my own life? Most of the time, it's nothing. It's just me going back to the idea of an activity. Just me just doing something to feel good, and then going back into the process of everyday life. Yeah, because you mentioned that this is so, this recently happened to me, which is, you know, easier to relate to because um, one of the lifestyle changes I highly suggest my clients to follow is no technology one hour before going to sleep. And I've never double thought, I've never thought, you know, it's so hard because I myself follow it and I've been doing it for years. But um, the way I do it is, you know, one hour before sleeping, I'm going to get my, um, meal preps ready for the next day. I might take my dog for a walk and then I cuddle with my partner till I fall asleep. It's easy. It it comes to me very easy. But when I'm working with my clients, they're not able to get off technology. And I'm like, why can't you? It's not that hard, you know. And recently when my partner was out of town, um, I myself, I found myself like Netflixing till I, till I fell asleep. <laughs> because 
it it started getting so hard i was this anxiety this you know different emotions you're dealing with and you don't think about this i, I never thought about it from this perspective but when imagine you're living alone you know you're not living with your family you're away from your family um and you know you don't have a pet you don't have any other form of human emotions around you then for that person it's not going to be easy for that person it's not going to be easy to turn technology off and go to sleep um when you're not used to. then it takes like rewiring of the brain it takes like teaching yourself again so for me it took it took me some time to teach myself again what to do you know one hour before sleeping what can i do because if i was reading a book it was making me anxious it was anything was making me anxious so yeah just empathizing with clients and understanding their starting point and working with them from their starting point and i had i literally changed this in my plans i'm like okay how about 20 minutes before going to sleep you go without technology and we build up from there you know instead right. of trying in for 60 minutes and then failing and then feeling guilty about doing it right right it's it's funny you 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 brought that up about um your boyfriend not being around my fiance has been out of town for a few weeks and i found myself being more lazy since she isn't here and yeah. you know yeah. having someone there it keeps you more honest it keeps you exactly. more it keeps you some sometimes it keeps you more honest with yourself like when she's here um and granted you know I still do I'm I'm working nonstop I'm doing all these different things I'm always you know I have I have I have a routine and yeah. she hasn't been here so I I've been a bit more a bit a bit more relaxed um because it's just, it's just been me and and the, the cat <laughs> but it, it 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 was an interesting perspective just to realize that you know she and it shows that you know we need people we we need community we need people to kind of balance 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 us out yeah. and it's important so it, it gave me a a great perspective and, and like i said it's funny that you bring that up like you know uh, he's not around i'm going to watch some tv <laughs> and i'm like hey, you know i'm just going to bum out on the couch a bit longer today you know i'm going to sleep i'm going to sleep into like 8:30 versus 7:30 <laughs> yeah yeah and that is with clients so when clients everyone's at a different starting point and as personal trainers we we've, we've crossed the starting point so we expect everyone to be like miles ahead but they're not miles right. ahead. um they are where they are and you have to go back and you know start over from where they are and then start helping them get to our point so what got you into body um body image specifically uh, i i love to learn a, a bit more about that um i think it was my first client which i worked with as a personal trainer um she was a teenager and struggling with body image issues mostly coming from the parents because the parents were constantly you know torturing about um and it was sad it was really sad very over dominating parents and um constantly telling the child in terms of how she needs to look and the child used to literally come to the training center with me one hour away from her parents and many times she would just vent on the floor she would start crying and i had to take her to a different room and uh uh-huh. sort of just calm her down i think that that's what started um, that's what got me thinking um but then there but as my social media grew more and more people started sending me messages dms and mails and getting in touch with me saying that they've gone through similar emotions because i talk about it a lot on my social media and it's difficult from a body image perspective mostly when i'm talking i'm talking about teenagers struggling with like you know bulimic episodes um episodes related to overeating and then uh, overtraining trying to compensate and then going on prolonged fasting um which people but i think everyone everyone has a lot of people not everyone a lot of people have this mindset that eating less 
means or like diet has to be eating less and eating less means only by torturing your body can you get into shape which is not true which really is not true they don't take into consideration any other factors and everyone has this mindset that if you are on a diet you should be starving yourself to sleep um which is not the right way to look at it so when i'm working with people i try and make them understand you know there's leptin resistance there's metabolism there's liver function um there's so many things and it's so complicated not even doctors and researchers know um much in terms of calories in and calories out what we do know is we can increase your insulin sensitivity we can increase your leptin sensitivity we can uh sort of make you more aware of hunger signals and we can help you look at food as nourishment and not as an emotional crunch we can do that that's in our control but it doesn't have to be starving and have a negative association when it comes to diet diet is not negative it's not a negative word it means nourishing your body it means giving your body the fuel which it needs to function so i think that's what got me interested in body image issues yeah it's a lot of I mean, this i'm wondering do you see a lot of clients who are open to talking about this i i haven't been seeing clients that much since i moved um, moved out to denver but um, overall overall my experience not so much i mean i think because of my physique and because of um i guess the different ways i've trained my body most people just come to me for this this for direct weight loss for toning for sculpting those are most of the, the clients i've i've had experience working with in the past yeah yeah interesting right so what what are some of the unique challenges that people with body images face compared to your other clients sometimes it's so bad that people uh women mostly this is with women and i think i have more experience working with women um don't want to come to the gym because they are not very comfortable working out in front of other people and this was very very common especially in the early uh, stages when i was working which is why i started my online training and i launched my fitness app um, so people can work from the comfort of their house but these are also the people who don't have a lot of experience with training so they don't even have their basic push pull lunge squat rotation even their basic moves right uh, and watching something from an app and trying to replicate it is not easy it's not easy especially when you don't have a trainer around it's not motivating it's not easy um so now our gym we have a separate room which is only dedicated towards one on one training so we have like you know some basic dumbbells and barbells and some uh body weight training exercises where if we have certain clients who are not comfortable going to the gym and working out in front of other people then we would take them downstairs in a different room and uh the trainer would work one on one where the client feels safe and the client can you know can work out and feel comfortable about it so this was a huge thing which i saw but this is also true with people with different mental illnesses like um i was working with a client with schizophrenia similar kind of issue uh it was too overwhelming for her to step into the gym floor and uh you know there were times when she would like you know like have a panic attack and hear voices and she wanted to just go away so we started working with online training and then slowly like one day a week coming to the gym and then taking it from there till when she was comfortable also away from the crowd so this is one thing which i most commonly see but uh, social media has a huge influence and it's you know uh like someone who's out of shape or obese 
we've sort of as a i don't know as a society we've we've sort of made it normal to call that person like hey fatso hey you know you call these names which are like acceptable in the society and everyone laughs about it including the person who's struggling from obesity um sort of masks you know the pain and masks the feelings and when i'm working with clients i encourage them to talk about it i encourage them to how do you feel when you know um and lot of times this is turned out into a therapy session but i think with personal trainers that is generally the case because you don't spend so much especially if you're training a client every day of the week they give you one hour of undivided attention one hour of technology free time how many people can say they spend one hour of technology free time even with their spouses because people are working the entire day um you know you don't have that much time with anyone else human interaction with anyone else and people spend that much time with their personal trainer so inevitably they're going to tell you about their life inevitably they're going to tell you about their feelings and if a personal trainer is interested enough to ask they would more than glad uh, gladly you know share their feelings with them so yeah i encourage trainers to ask questions right it's um i mean again kind of going back to what the industry kind of is and what it's used to like i'm i'm mostly thinking about group classes yeah. um i used to work at a boot camp for a little bit and it's thinking about the the disconnect you know it, 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 although it's, it's it's supposed to be personal training it's no longer personal training you're just another body yeah. in the in the class of 30 40 50 people but i i know your name so you know so it's enough um and and granted you know there are i mean my experience at the boot camp was it was great you know there is you know yeah. you, you talk and you intermingle it, it becomes very much a community kind of like cr- crossfit is right you know you go there everyone yeah, does their work yeah. but you know you, you hang out afterwards and you you know you meet up a bit before class starts so there is a bit more of the community feel where everyone kind of holds each, each other accountable and responsible but yeah. it doesn't have the direct personal um feel which which might be a good thing i mean i, I remember one of the trainers t- told me that there was this woman who would, you know, she'd been coming to class for months, never really spoke, just, you know, class doing her thing. And, you know, one day she came up to him and was like, you know, thank you so much for just the motivation and the classes. You know, I, I've become like this an amazing, per- confident person at work now. I got, got a promotion and all these things that being in the classes have done for her without the need to have someone directly work with her. And, you know, maybe it's just that some, some people can can grow from that. Some people don't need the direct one-on-one attention. Some people can just be, I mean, like, you know, I guess maybe people in, in the military, right? You can be a, in, you could be a peer amongst many, but still yeah. find a way to shine and do what you need to do. Yeah. But even that, no, even community is a form of therapy. And which you mentioned in your yoga class, in your yoga blog, it is so, uh, you know, beautiful to think about it in that perspective. Because you have this sort of group you can go to and everyone's going through similar kind of um, physical training. So it's like similar goals. Everyone's sharing like, you know, similar fitness journey and they're sharing the experiences, which I do in my online classes. I love this. Uh, Sometimes online classes, what I do is all in the beginning. I just, especially when I have a new person coming into the class who's very um, intimidated and, you know, not very sure if they're able to do things. I call out people who've accomplished a lot and they talk about their accomplishment. And 
it's not only the person who's talking about the accomplishment which feels very good about themselves when they leave from the class but all the other people also feel really good um, because it's so much of positivity everyone's going through the same form of nutrition same form of fitness style it's so much of positivity and motivation that they feel that you know hey this person has accomplished this um i can too and that is therapeutic that is meditative that's 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 what you know people want to hear that i can do right and the community aspect also shows you that it allows you to appreciate others pe- other people's bodies as they are so you yeah. know like the you know 200 pounds on me it's not going to be 200 pounds on you we're all going to regardless of the weight regardless of the number our body is going to look different it's going to be shaped different we're going to have tone and definition in different places but we still feel good and we're still happy. And that's, that's all that matters. So it helps, it helps kind of recondition the, um, the, 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 the community aspect reconditions the individual aspect. I feel for me. Yeah. This, this is to parents, all the parents listening to this. Um, I would encourage, you know, if you have the means, the, you know, the, the, the financial support and the, um, you know, the means to, to do this or every children should join at least one team sport. Um, because they learn so much and it's more than just, you know, the sport. If you, if, if a child is, let's say into soccer, it's so much more than just soccer. It's about team building. It's about learning to lose as a team. It's about learning to win as a team. It's about training, celebrating small victories as a team. It's about being able to say, it's okay for me to let someone else win, but as a team, we all win. So these things are so important in the upbringing of children. Um, which people take for granted, but I think everyone should join a team sport in their life while they're growing up. Yeah, um, it's it's difficult to say that now with with everything going on. Um, you know, mo- mostly with with COVID, and I wonder how that you know what that what that looks like in the future. What team sports looks like for children I in the know, future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. How, how has COVID been been in your, in um, India? It's been crazy also. I think India is in the top second highest cases in the world, second or third after the US. Um, so it's it's crazy. And India is also going through like in the US, you'll have Thanksgiving and New Year's. We just went through Dasara and Diwali, which is the top two festivals in India, and um, which means celebration. And though it wasn't as celebratory because of the financial crunch India is going to go through now, um, but a lot of people were on the streets and celebrating and, you know, it's it's going to, we haven't even hit our second wave yet and we are already really struggling. <laughs> um, so it's crazy. Also, if we go into a, a second lockdown, we had a first lockdown from March up till August. And then if we go into a second lockdown now, I don't know what the economic situation looks like six months down the line, um, right. especially for people who live on like per day wages. And there's lots of them in India. Um it looks really bad. What was the name of the celebration again? Diwali. Diwali. Yeah, it's like the New okay. Year. Yeah. Okay, 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 And uh, how how how, do you, how did you celebrate Diwali? With a lot of bursting of crackers. It's like the fourth of <laughs> okay. which lasts for three days. <laughs> but we also has a, had a ban on crackers this year uh, because there were a lot of people struggling with COVID, and additional pollution would only make it worse. Um, But also the cracker industry is very, very big economically. And when there was a sudden ban, it's hit the markets and it's hit the people. And 
um i don't know i hope things get better i really hope they do but it seems like the country is ready to go into a second lockdown the live lift love podcast is brought to you by the black excellence shop shop our black excellence calendar and journal bundle 366 days of creativity motivation and spirituality and shop our black excellence daily app for android and ios blackexcellencedaily.com how has uh, how have how have these past few months been for you with with clients and this kind of transition in your work have you just been focusing on social media a lot more or has it been still kind of the same for you i think it's for everyone in the fitness industry in general i think it's opened up more avenues than ever before for everyone uh, and the reason i say this is i train clients currently from australia from the middle east from the us of course because i have a lot of clients that i have uh europe um you know kenya i have clients from parts of the world which i would never ever think of training um and it's forced me because we went into a lockdown there was no other alternative option but if i had to survive i had to start doing something and it forced me to take training digitally and i think that was like like a 10 year leap you know i would never have not me particularly but fitness in general wouldn't go online to this extent if not for covid and i think that's a very beautiful thing if you look at it from that perspective lot of seminars i do now i'm training 400 500 people together and i would never think of doing that because geographically you limit yourself you limit yourself you know based on where you stay and how many miles of radius can you cover um but covid forced you to get out of that and expanded you sort of to a bigger geography which i think was very beautiful um and taking but at the same time you're losing the personal touch you know personal training is different from online training it's not the same um no matter how hard you try so if i'm taking like a zumba class um i don't take zumba but i take something called body shred which is a jillian michael uh you know program it's a 30 minute program with very high intensity program you need very loud music for it so most of the time and i don't want to deprive my clients of that you know i want them to have that environment so i'll have music playing in the background and i'm yelling on top of my lungs so they can hear <laughs> the music um it's not the same experience but we try to do the best we can it's taken away the personal from the personal training um but it's not bad it's okay i guess how about you how's your lockdown been uh, it's been it's been kind of a bit of the same for me i mean i work from home so i don't need to venture out as much. Most of my time outside is either spent um going to the park, going for hikes, running, and now I, I recently bought a camera so going to take pictures and grocery shopping and you know every now and then just kind of ha- yeah. hanging out. But overall, I mean things kind of feel the same. I'm just waiting again like you like you the waiting for the second wave to kind of see you know what 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 the real outcome of these past few months are, are going to look like. So But yeah. overall Absolutely. overall things feel okay <laughs> overall. Yeah. Do you feel you get more time with your cats now? Uh too too, too much time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's just the one but yeah, it's too much time. Um yeah, he's he's very very needy. Not well he isn't needy. He's just greedy. <laughs> I mean like all animals, oh. right? Like you know, he sees <laughs> he sees me in the kitchen and he he thinks treats and snacks are coming. So it's <laughs> being be, being patient with them with the meowing and crying and whining but it, it, it's it's been fun taking care of him he he's 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 fun sometimes <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah. i've never been i got a cat once i fostered a cat once and 
I could not. <laughs> I could not. They are they are very different from dogs, and they are right. know, my cat. My foster cat wouldn't come close to me and didn't want to be touched and wanted to be left alone. And <laughs> it was I did not feel very good as a cat parent. <laughs> I, I I totally get that and totally feel, feel the same way too. Um, but you know, I I, I still I, I meet him halfway. You know, like it's not his fault. He's just a cat, so I just do I just do what I gotta do just to make him happy, so he can enjoy his you know his his, his life while he can. <laughs> so yeah, I love that. You know, they don't like to be cuddled. They don't like to be touched. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And you don't wag your tail when you come back home. Dogs do right. that. And very cute to see that they don't. They're not excited when you come back home. Dogs make you feel loved. Cats just make you feel like you have a roommate. Like that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> You have a roommate, and you and you pay all the rent, and, and you and you, you you feed them like that. That's what it is. Yeah, that's that's so true. That's like exactly what cats are. So, although, so I know you said the um these past few months have been great for you in terms of transitioning and reaching out a bit more. What are some of the challenges you faced working, doing um, transitioning into the the online role a bit more? Well, obviously, it was a huge transition in terms of our. Uh, we still have running gyms. My gyms were completely shut down for a very long time. And that means we are still paying rent, but there's no income coming in. But more than anything, the personal trainers who are working at the gym, they have no source of income at all because they depend on their incentive from their clients. And if there's no training, there's no incentive. Um, so most of these people were out of work for close to six months, which is a very long time. Um you know, there's debt, there's loans. So we had to struggle through that. So that was a very difficult transition. Hope, uh, touch wood, the gyms have started running now, but it's going to take, I want to say at least six months till clients start coming back the way they were before because everyone's scared and I get that. Um, so that's, that's and it's scary because we as a family, all of us are in the gym all the time. So we have interaction with people and we, are, we we have to be there. So it's also putting my staff and my family at risk, which is very scary. Um, but you you got to do what you got to do. You can't, you know, you can't shut things down. So you, you have to get past that phase, which is scary. But in terms of online, it was also about teaching people that it's okay to not go to the gym, have equipments. It's it's possible to train your body through body weight training. Um, explore different fitness forms. I explored only during the lockdown. I explored and mastered myself in animal flow, Ashtanga yoga and Vinyasa yoga, which is three different forms of fitness, which I've never done before. Um, you know, I got my animal flow certification, but I wouldn't practice it actively because I, I love strength training. I love weight training. Um, but I had to, you know, relearn sort of, you know, different forms of fitness, which you can do. And now I'm dabbing into a little bit of calisthenics. Um, so, but you had to relearn, you had to, you know, adjust to whatever circum circumstances are there. And also sort of what happens with personal training is, like I said, there's a lot of mental health aspects. So we have meditations and pranayam and these kinds of things. So sort of understanding how you can translate that to an online medium. And many of the meditation practices which I work with my client is dynamic meditation uh, practices. It's not seated meditation because 
client, people in general now don't have the attention span where they can sit, close their eyes and reach into a thoughtless state. Meditation is nothing but a thoughtless state when you have zero thoughts in your head. Um, or at least you're able to reduce thousands of thoughts to 100, 100 to 10, 10 to 1. You know, just have one focused thought. And it's not easy for people to close their eyes and just go into a thoughtless state. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, you know, issues built in, went, um, built in and suppressed issues which start coming up. So the meditation technique, which I practice with my clients is dynamic meditation. Things like, you know, you're dancing and dancing and dancing till you reach a thoughtless state. You get lost in the dance. You're not, you don't have any thoughts in your head. Or chanting, you're chanting. Like when you say Om uh, repeatedly for a few number of counts, when you're verbatim, you're you're telling a word verbally, your thoughts won't run. Next time, try this. When you're saying Om, you can't think. Your your thoughts will stop. That's why chanting is such a powerful form of meditation. Uh, So, you know, I wanted to see how can I do this in an online medium? Because clients are sitting in their home, but they also have their family members around. Now, when I'm telling them, close your eyes and say Om, they're saying Om in front of a computer screen. And, you know, the family members who are around them, it's, it looks stupid. So people are, uh, it, it, they are not, you, know, you can do it in a yoga class. It's not very comfortable doing it online. They are not comfortable doing this online and, or dancing. I, many times when I have a live class, a group class, I turn the lights off and I'm like, just dance. No one's watching, just dance. And it's very meditative for them. But doing it in front of a computer screen where you have like, you know, your spouse watching you or your child watching you, it's not very comfortable. You know, so we have to you know, change that entire format and see how you can still bring these things to them without making them feel um, conscious about themselves. I really like the, the idea of dynamic meditation. Um, it It's freeing and it gives people, allows you to kind of meet people where they are. Like you talked about um, going from like, you know, 10,000 thoughts to a thousand to 10 to one. Like that's a... Yeah. A very, very long transition, right? Like it takes, you know, um, priests and monks years and decades to kind of get to that point. And, you know, we all don't need to get there, but yeah, you yeah. you know you 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 meet people where they are, and if like I like the idea of just dancing, turning the lights off, you know, and just being around, spinning around in your, in your apartment or your house, and just expressing yeah. yourself and being free. Um, yeah, it, it's it, yeah. it's crucial, and you, you, we all kind of need to find the best practice what works for us in terms of just releasing energy, but also reconnecting with ourselves. Also, yeah, I've had uh, clients message me now in the online sessions. Um, after a dancing session because I'll tell them that you know turn your videos off turn your lights off and just dance Um, literally it's such a simple activity it's such a simple activity just 15 minutes of do what you want with your body without anyone judging you such a simple thing and clients would message me later I started crying I could not stop crying I'm not sure why and it's just so much of you know built-in emotions and everything is just just coming out it's a it's a beautiful form of which I insist everyone does I was speaking to someone else on some other podcast and the when I asked the host, what's your, you know, what's your form of fitness? It was not a fitness podcast. And he said, um, I have two kids. And he was, I think, a, a, you know, a single father. He said, I have two kids. And every night we have this ritual where we just turn the lights off and we dance it out. And that's my form of fitness. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, I wish all parents, <laughs> do. it's not, you know, no money investment. There's nothing. Just, just teaching Time. your kids that it's okay. Yeah. 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 10 minutes. Yeah teaching your kids it's okay to just you know it's okay to dance it's okay um, to do without being judged 
I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what that more confidence, more less less fear of worrying about what you look like and I guess self expression, you know, that's that's what that's what matters in, in this life experience. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so what uh, what other type of you said you said you have an app? Give me a general idea of like what is what are some of the features of, of your apps? Do you have guided meditation? Do you have fitness plans? Do you have videos? I'd love to learn so, a bit more about that. So one of the things, um, you know, it's a lot. A lot of changes on the app are uh, modified as per lifestyle modification. You know, you want to because I don't do calorie restriction, but still help people lose weight without calorie restriction. One of the features of the app is. Um, you know, you, it's simple things. You eat high volume food, you're eating food which is high in volume, you're going to get filled and you're not taking in as much calories. Um, food diary is an important feature where clients can, as it's from their phone, it's very simple, a click of a button. Every time they're eating or drinking something, you click a picture and it gets uploaded on the app. And my team member or I personally check the food diaries on a daily basis so we can instantly get in touch with the client. It keeps them sort of accountable. There's adherence chart uh, every evening before going to sleep. You know, the app will send a pop-up notification. Have you done this? Simple things like have you had uh, three servings of fruits per day uh, today? And you do a yes, no, or um, doesn't apply. And then at the end of the week, it gives you a graph and compares your graph to your last week's graph. Uh, so just showing people that they're progressing, it keeps them very excited. I also do a lot of recipes. I make a lot of food. Uh, I love cooking. And I record my recipes and upload it for their clients, um, you know, where they can refer to. It's like a recipe library where they can refer to things and then, you, you know, you can do it at home. Um, so that's another feature. Um, videos, of course, there's fitness videos. There's motivation videos, which I try to put in once in a week. And even a lot of myth clearing like things where you're getting omega threes from and um, you know, where do you get your B12 from? Where do you get your D3 from? So these kind of videos, informative and motivational videos. So anytime you feel low, just open one of the motivational videos and you should be pumped. These are five minutes, snippets, what I would do on Instagram, but a little bit exclusive for my clients sometimes on the app. So yeah, so they are some of the features. Ah, those are great features, especially the like the reminders, like did you do X, did you do Y, did you do, do Z? I mean, that's the, the reinforcement and kind of, um, keeping people, allowing people to hold themselves accountable, and but yeah. but even though you're you that you're, you're allowing them to hold themselves accountable, you know you're just again kind of meeting them a little bit halfway and, and making sure that they're doing yeah. the rest of the work that they need to do. Yeah, and, all of us are and, glued and, to our phones all the time. Yeah, so I mean that, that's that's the best way to connect with people, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm assuming all the recipes are vegan recipes, also, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So tell me a bit about, um, I guess, maximizing weight loss on a vegan diet and I, some of the challenges, or is, do you think it's a bit easier compared to traditional um, dietary restrictions? Um, having tried both, I, I, I feel it's much easier. The reason being, one, you're not consuming a lot of fats. So fats is like nine calories per gram and carbohydrates and proteins is four calories per gram. Everyone knows that. But what most people don't, um, you know, either don't mention or don't know is under carbs, you have different, you have fiber and you have starch and you have sugars. Uh, fiber is two calories per gram, which is half of the calories of carbohydrates. Also, unlike carbohydrates and proteins and fat, which, 
you know, excess carbohydrates will be converted and stored as triglycerides, fat cells. Excess proteins get converted through a process of gluconeogenesis into carbs and then excess carbs get stored as fat. Fiber doesn't get stored in the body. Excess fiber is just flushed out of the body. So even if you're taking a little bit of excess fiber, it's okay. It's not storing itself as calories in the body. Um, it's just flushed out. Plant-based diet is naturally very high in fiber. It's a very fibrous diet, which is also difficult when people are transitioning from a, a meat-heavy diet or a vegetarian diet to an all-plant-based diet. Uh, suggestively, don't do it overnight because you're going to have digestive and gut issues. You're not used to eating so much fiber. You slowly take it up. But fiber fills you up. So you're not taking in as much calories either. Plus, it's not as calorically dense as carbohydrates, proteins, or uh, fat. Starches are one calorie per gram. It's half of the calories of fiber. So you might be thinking that you're eating a lot of food, but it's not a lot of food because starches are very heavy in water. So they're not really calorically dense, but they're very dense in terms of filling you up. So naturally, when you ask someone to go on a plant-based diet and you say, okay, let's say, you know, you're eating 1800 and you calculate on MyFitnessPal or Chromometer and you say you're, you're touching 1800 calories on a plant-based diet, you actually are eating like 14, 1500 calories. You're not eating 1800 calories. But you, when you calculate it, it's showing 1800 because we calculate fiber starches, everything as carbohydrates. Um, also, 18, 1900 calories on a plant-based diet is a lot of food. A whole food plant-based diet is a lot of food. Unless you're eating too much of like nuts or seeds, um, it's a lot of food. So it was much easier for me when I was doing my transformation on a plant-based diet because I could still eat a lot of food, um, be full, be satiated, and still not be consuming as much calories. That's why fat loss becomes easier. Also with fiber, fiber helps you get rid of excess free-floating estrogens in the body. Estrogen is a hormone, female sex hormone, which is also responsible for storing body fat. And if you have free-floating estrogen in the body, you have symptoms of PCOS and PCOD. Um, but also excess body fat. Now, consuming fiber helps you grab onto these excess estrogen molecules and flushes them out of the body. And this is beautifully written um, by Dr. Neil Bernard, who is a pioneer in health and uh, pioneer in nutritional science. In his book, Your Body in Balance, which I suggest everyone should read it, uh, it talks about dealing with metabolic conditions like diabetes, thyroid, PCOS, even erectile dis dysfunction and a couple of other issues uh, and how how what what role fiber and a plant-based diet plays in terms of reversal. So I feel it's easier. Have you tried, Clifford? Have you ever tried a plant-based diet? Um, I, w I did a meatless May once um, and <laughs> I, I <laughs> you know, uh, for fun, catchy names, right? To, yeah, to get no, people I, to do I've it. I've never heard of that. I've heard meatless monkeys. <laughs> I didn't know meatless maize. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a, I did an entire meatless May, and there was a probably a year where I mostly folk ate only like meat substitutes. How was your um, It was it was fun. I mean, I I, I felt the, the meatless May was an amazing experience. I felt alert. I felt I had constant energy. I slept a lot better. Um, actually, I'm, I might need to need to do that. I think because I mean I, I haven't been sleeping well for years, and it may be maybe the meat, maybe the the, the screens and the constant working. But yeah, I think thinking about it now, it, it was it was a, a great a great four a great few four weeks. Um, yeah. I felt energized, and even even with the 
like the transition from not eating as many calories or trying to find substitutes, I still had energy to exercise and run and pretty much do everything as much as, as, I, as I used to. Yeah. But you know what? Even if you don't drop meat, I feel the main culprit is just dairy. It's just so adulterated, processed and hormonated. Um, I think if you can just get dairy off your diet, that's that's like more than enough. In terms of getting your energy levels back, you don't have to drop meat if you don't want to. I think more than anything, dairy is the culprit, which is what I see yeah. with clients. I really don't, the only, I guess, I mean, I, I drink almond milk and that's pretty much it. And every now and then, I mean, we'll have we'll have some cheese, but I'm really not a, a dairy person. Dairy I mean, yeah. I, and occasionally I'll, I'll get like the, the little small dollar Haagen-Dazs ice creams and I'll enjoy that like once every three, two weeks. But other than that, yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not a dairy person. It, it doesn't uh, sit well with me anyway. <laughs> yeah, but most people, I mean, most people are lactose right. intolerant. So India is obsessed with dairy. Uh, we use a lot of clarified butter, which is key in all our cooking. And everything is tempered with key. And uh, cottage cheese is very huge in India. It's a delicacy, actually. And milk is huge in India. I know parents forcing their kids to have a glass of milk before going to sleep every night. Um, and, you know, these are the kids who are throwing up and having symptoms. and just parents just keep forcing them so it's it's just most people are lactose intolerant so g- give me a, an example of a vegan uh i guess a vegan meal plan from when you were transitioning into the vegan lifestyle t- to now like how different are, the, are those two plates or how how different would that meal plan be for you in comparison very very different because i know okay. when i was transitioning was also the same year i started uh I started getting ready for my bodybuilding competition. So I transitioned in, I want to say May and September onwards, I started preparing for my first competition. So I was, you know, on a calorie restricted diet and um, eating every two hours and, um, you know, eating as per my training macros were calculated. There was an exact breakdown of proteins, carbs and fats and how many grams of what I was getting in um, micronutrients and supplements and, very different. What I eat now, I do intermittent fasting now and I stick to a two meal. I eat what I want. <laughs> I eat, um, but mostly it's uh, it's low fat. It's mostly low, of course, plant-based, but mostly low fat because I don't use a lot of oils in my cooking. There's not a, not a lot of nuts and seeds and olives and, you know, avocados. So mostly low fat plant-based diet, but no calorie restriction, no macro counting. Um, no supplements. So the only supplements I take is B12 and D3. I don't take protein powders currently because I'm not looking to gain muscle mass or anything. Um, nor do I take any other supplements, unlike what I was eating when I was competing. And instead of five meals, five, six meals, it's more of a two meal, um, sometime OMAD, one meal a day, but mostly two meals a day with maybe a snack in between. A lot of um, herbal teas, which I've come to like a lot. And I make a lot of my herbal teas at home with different kind of herbs and spices, which are huge in India, um, which is a blessing, which is a very big blessing. A right. lot of greens, which I wasn't doing before. Um, I, I don't think I used to eat a lot of greens before, but now I eat at least my body weight in grams and greens. <laughs> My body weight is 55 <laughs> kgs, so about 55 to 60 grams of greens per green leafy vegetables per day, which is a wow. lot than I was eating before. Yeah, yeah. 
When was the last time you had something green? Something green. Um, what did I eat yesterday? Probably Saturday. Uh, this is carrots. Um, and and granted, not green, but like carrots, broccoli, mushrooms, cauliflower, but, and some beef stir fry. But what about like you know, um, kale and spinach and you know that kind of green, like green leafy vegetables. Uh, I haven't had kale or spinach in a very long time. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get I go through food phases. So there are moments where I'll spend like three months and I'll have kale every day or spinach every day, yeah. and then I'll just lose interest. And I think I think that may be part of our problem that I, I I get fixated on something specific. Like I eat oatmeal every every morning. I have oatmeal for like the past four or five years. Every morning is oatmeal. Yeah. But lately it's like, you know, I, I just get sick of it. And I think that that's part of, I overconsume something for two. I'm a creature of habit. So I do it too much and then I get sick of it. And then I'm like, I, I need to avoid this for, for a long time. What but, are you stated on now? Um, Right now, what am I? Right now I'm back on trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> trail mix, trail mix, um, and grapes. That's that's what I'm really actually no trail mix, grapes, and pomegranates because this is the the season. Yeah, I've I've been waiting for them all year. I went to yeah. New York um, a couple of a couple last month, and I bought like three or four. Yeah, and I came back and they were here, and I've just been going <laughs> going through them weekly. And yeah, I mean, I, I love them; they're delicious. I love the juice. I love the color. I love the process the of just breaking them apart. Crunch, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 delicious. Yeah. yeah. So that's I'm so I'm enjoying pomegranates for as long as I can until they're out of season, and then I'll find something else to kind of go back into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wanted to talk about um, you brought up the concept of beating the blues with fitness in a, in a vegan diet. So how does vegan food, how does plant-based food affect mental health? And what are some of the benefits? The effects of a plant-based diet on mental health. This is a widely studied topic in Ayurveda, which is the Indian ancient form of medication. Uh, and as per Ayurveda, there's three kinds of eating principles. There's something called Satvic, Mansik, and Tamsik. Satvik is a plant-based diet, a predominantly plant-based diet, which is very low in oils and very low in um, heat-producing spices. Then you have um, Mansik, which is mostly a plant-based diet, but includes oils and includes a lot of spices which produce heat in the body, like garlic and onions and um, chilies. And then there's Tamsik, which is a non-veg, uh, non non vegetarian diet or a meat heavy diet so there's different kinds of diet and the effects it has on the body so satvic is you know it's cooling and people who follow a satvic diet mostly um also show symptoms of being calm and cool um and composed versus people who follow a tamsic or mastic diet this is also studied in western medication um to an extent where feelings of anger and feelings of uh negative emotions have been associated with a meat heavy diet also from a different not not the similar thing but very different um you know people who work in slaughterhouses are more likely to create episodes of domestic violence which is a very common you know um which is a very commonly studied topic in the west so i think you know a plant based diet does have effects on your mood um i wish it was a more explored topic i really wish it was more explored 
but you know not a lot of people are studying about it currently yeah i can definitely um i want to make the connection that people who eat plant based diets are more health conscious and that that within itself is automatically going to create a situation that allows for better mental health and allow for lifestyle changes that incorporate health yeah and healthy choices yeah. um so I, I think on on maybe that's like the base level like it seems like that's an obvious like a, a obvious connection um and you know everything else is just the the, the bonus aspects i'm i'm not specific specifically sure about the um the vitamins and the, and the nutrients and all the the basic the compounds and how they'll affect you mentally but i think within itself it pushes you in the right direction is to make healthier, more conscious choices that will innately just allow you to feel yeah, yeah. more alert, it more is, positive and more focused. Yeah. It's, yeah. Probably not like a direct effect because when people say a plant-based diet is expensive, if you look at the core of a plant-based diet, it's not really expensive because it's fruits and vegetables, lentils and pulses. That itself is not expensive, but people who go on a plant-based diet also, in you know, in the new, in the future, they start shopping organic and they start exploring like you know, um, superfoods, and that is expensive. But that's not a plant based right. diet technically. But people who switch to a plant based diet also mostly switch to more healthier choices, which in itself are expensive. Yeah, I mean, and down the line, you learn more about you learn more about food density. Food density. You learn about superfoods and finding options, you know, being able to find, you know, 11 nutrients and like a teaspoon of, of, yeah. of a superfood <laughs> or a supplement, like, you know, the, there are options and the more, you know, the, the, the knowledge you have in the beginning isn't what you're going to have down the line. So the more you, you, you practice it and the more you, you're part of the lifestyle, you find new options, but also people create new options, right? Going back to the idea of superfoods, you know, there are, I work for this uh, alternative health company and we have this, uh, this product and it has like 12 superfoods in one, in one jar. And then there's different, um, there's different parts of it. It's like energy, there's a, there's a clarity one, but the amount of density, the amount of nutrients in that one teaspoon, it, it, it came from, yeah, it, it came from people starting in the plant-based journey or starting transitioning into uh, the health journey. And it's looking for better options. You know, how can I give people who are in need or who want more options, all the vitamins, not, not all, but a lot of vitamins and nutrients in a reasonable dose. So they're not, so they still get the, the, the energy and they still get the nutrients and they still get the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the health essentials that they need for every day. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. So I was looking on your website and there was, a, you had some fasting tips for, uh, and please correct me if I say this wrong, Padayushan? Yeah, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and I know you, you talked about intermittent intermittent fasting a bit earlier. So what are some of the challenges you, f you find with fasting um, for holidays or for larger celebrations, or is it? pretty much the same for you since you do intermittent fasting? So Parishan, uh, let me explain what Parishan is. Parishan is basically um, a seven-day festival observed by the people who follow the religion of Jainism. Now Jainism is um, 
it's one of one one among one of the oldest religions in india uh, similar to the practices of buddhism rather originated in a similar time as buddhism uh, you know and people who follow jainism follow a lot of different practices like non violence uh, ahimsa which is huge and non possession and one of the other things they follow is the seven day celebration seven day festival when they observe like a period which is closest to god if you look at any religion in the world every religion has some or the other form of fasting you know uh, if it's islam it's the spirit of ramadan um anything if it's christianity it's the spirit of lent but there's some form of fast some or the other form of fasting in any religion all across the world uh if it's Jew, uh you know uh Jew, Jewism, then it's you know different forms of fasting so i think fasting is ancient it's not something new and i also believe that humans are not meant to eat 24/7 you didn't when you were like caveman you didn't have access to like you know a 24/7 mcdonalds you didn't have access right. to food all the time you had access to food when you hunt and you hunt once in every few days you don't hunt all the time um so humans are not supposed to eat all the time and more and more i mean i started following intermittent fasting just out of convenience because it's lesser cooking time um lesser time in the kitchen you get time to yourself and um you know lesser things to worry about in terms of waking up and thinking every day what do you want to eat which by the way i used to do what you do too i used to uh, oatmeal all the time till i get really bored of it and then try and explore something and come back to oatmeal <laughs> but then after some time you know like it, it's more convenient just stick to two meals a day and i think it helped me drastically i didn't even look up the benefits of intermittent fasting or i didn't even take it up because of the benefits i i just took it up because it was convenient for me to follow and easy for me to follow um even when i'm traveling you know when you're traveling you inevitably are eating out more you're consuming more calories but then when you just skip a meal which for me is breakfast most of the time and then you have a brunch and then you have a early dinner um like a dinner <laughs> early dinner then it's much easier you know to follow like that the form of eating but when it comes to holidays what i tell clients and people is generally your holidays are 20% of your year it's not the majority it's not the 80% of your year if you're consistent for the 80% of the times you eat the rest of the year you don't have to worry about what you eat during the holidays you just go out and you have fun it's a time of celebration you're going to be with family you don't want to be there with like you know not eating breakfast or like um, <laughs> right right not you want to go and enjoy and have fun that's what we do no what's the whole point of staying healthy and working out and you know staying fit most of the year and eating healthy most of the year if you're not able to have these few days to yourself when you do whatever you want to do so i don't think anyone should obsess over eating during the holidays i think what people should be more worried about what do you do for the rest of the year and if you stay on track or at least reasonably on track like you mostly eat at home you mostly uh, you train four to five times a week and you know then that's enough then that's a, unless you want to compete and like get into bodybuilding now i don't think you should worry too much about the holidays right there's there's a need to reward yourself um and i i think a lot of what fitness culture started as you know we talk about the cheat day and yeah it, it's a good sell you know the idea of a cheat day where oh you know i've you know i've done everything i need 6 days a week and this one day i can cheat for the whole day but it doesn't need to be that it can be 
you know, going back to the eighty yeah. percent, right? If the majority of your life is based in health and wellness and exercise and movement and yeah. meditation, all these healthy components, then yeah. you know, you can incorporate it whenever you want. But yeah, you have to be honest. Yeah. yeah, you have to be conscious and you have to be responsible to know that. Okay, like I, I, I look at it as conscious eating. I've always called it conscious eating. I can like the la- the last time I've had a McDonald's burger, it's probably been four or five years. Last time I had McDonald's fries. Maybe three months ago. Yeah. Last time I had a, a soda, maybe three months ago. And it's just being aware of when's the last time I had this beverage or this, this, when's the last time I consumed something that I know isn't good for me? And just kind yeah. of rewiring how you incorporate it. So, like now, every now and then, I might, I'll buy a juice. Majority of my day is just yeah. drinking water. Um, I put, I have lemon, I put honey in it, sometimes cinnamon, all different things just to kind of make it more tasteful so I can keep drinking it. And occasionally I want a juice. And instead of, say it again. Yeah, okay, when you want to, you have to. Right, right. And and instead of drinking the juice as it is, I I drink it like it's, uh, my mindset is I I drink it as liquor. So instead of drinking a whole bottle of juice, I just get like a small glass and I drink half of it, right? Like I don't need, I don't need the, what, I, what I'm looking for is flavor and taste. I'm not looking yeah. for the, I'm not looking to drink the whole bottle. There's no need to. I'm hydrated. I just want a little extra taste. And that's kind of what, 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 I, yeah. what, I, what I see. And I, I've realized that I've been doing intermittent fasting for probably like two years now. I just never looked yeah, at it like that. It. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I do... I do a big breakfast. I do oatmeal, but I do, I add banana, I add peanut butter, I do jam, um, granola, and marshmallows. I have have a sweet tooth, so I'll make it real sweet. And I'll have that heavy oatmeal. I should try marshmallows and oatmeal. It's fun. And like, you know, it it melts and then you just kind of stir it around. So all the flavors there. Um, So I'll do that. I'll do like two eggs and, you know, maybe I'll have bacon. And then I won't eat again until like four or five. But by then it's just, uh, you know, a big heavy dinner, heavy early dinner. But throughout the day, you know, I'm drinking plenty of water. I have and then at night I'll have popcorn or I have my grapes or now I have my my pomegranate, um, my pomegranates. So it's what's beautiful. It's not like you're depriving yourself of any food. It's not like you're forcing yourself to eat only two meals. It's just how your body wants to eat now. Right. You know, this the societal pressure of you, you should have a cheat meal mcdonald's tastes good and you should have this when really a lot of times when you follow intuitive when you're intuitively eating you really don't want to go out and eat that much you really don't want to you know you really don't want to eat three heavy meals you really don't want to stick to breakfast lunch and dinner when you intuitively eat you naturally go back to eating just how much your body requires and you know just remove that like we're constantly bombed with advertisement if you remove that then most people wouldn't want to go out and eat junk. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, definitely the, the taste and, you know, realistically. Yeah. Snacks and all of that, they taste amazing. Like that's what they're, they're made to taste yeah. like that, to keep yeah. us going back yeah. into it, to keep us eating. And, you know, I mean, I, I've, re- you know, I've realized about through changing what I eat and snack on and consume throughout the day. I have a lesser desire to kind of consume and, you know, put something yeah. in, in my mouth all the time. So now I have the water, the water has flavor that keeps my palate 
intrigued and happy for a little bit. I have my morning meal. I have some snacks in between, and then I'll, I'll have a, a, a fun dinner. But there, like, like yeah. to your point, there isn't a need to just constantly eat. I know my body. I understand my body. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. Or if I feel hunger coming, I'll eat. But there isn't this need to force feed and just keep keep stuffing, keep stuffing, keep stuffing. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. So any uh, before we close out, any final points, anything you want to touch on, anything you feel we didn't discuss, anything important you, you want to share with listeners? I feel like, you know, people, one thing, if I could pass like one message to people, it would be fitness doesn't have to be a burden. You shouldn't like, you know, if every day you're waking up feeling like, oh, shit, I have to go to the gym again, then the gym is not for you. Don't do the gym. There's so many different forms of fitness. Try something with you. Enjoy. Try a yoga class. Try like, you know, um, uh, aerial yoga class. Try Pilates. Try Zumba. Try spinning. Try boxing. Try mixed martial arts. There's so many different options. And you will find something where you look forward to doing it. So you don't have to stick to one form of fitness just because you think that's the only way you can get fit. You can get fit anyway, literally anyway, any form of fitness will work. But um, keep exploring and make fitness meditative and therapeutic instead of like a, a tick mark. Like, you know, I have to do this just because it's important and I have to stay healthy. No, it shouldn't be a tick mark. It should be something you look forward to doing. Absolutely. There's uh there's option. There's always options, right? Um, you don't have and it, to your earlier points, you don't have to do it. You don't have to sit down and be still and medit and meditate. You can dance and meditate. You can lie down on the floor and meditate. You can, you know, just lie in bed and meditate. You, know, you you find you find what works for you. You you meet the the lifestyle halfway, and then you just you incorporate it into who you are and what you want, and you make it make it your own. That makes sense. Yeah. And on that note, I'd like to end this episode of the Live the Fluff podcast, PEDs, Positive Enriching Discussions. I'm your host, Clifford Janice. You can find me on the IG at Gold's Conditioning. Roshni, can you tell the people where they can find you? My website, rashisangvi.com, which I'm pretty sure you'll leave the links to below. And all my social media links are on my website. Cool. You can listen to the Live the Fluff podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and if you visit the Live This Love podcast on the Gold's Conditional website, please be sure to leave a comment. Until next time, peace.